Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Into the long weekend we go. Thanks for starting it here. On Inside Sports on 6.30, Ched, we are getting you all ready for the Eskimos and Stampeders showdown. And, of course, we have the game Monday afternoon countdown to kickoff at 1. The game will start at 2.30. The Eskimos at 6-4, and four, taking on the 5-4 and four Calgary Stampeders. Now, of course, you know about the Eskimos' lack of success on Labor Day. 2-11, and 11, my goodness, 2-11. and 11. In the last 13 Labor Day showdowns, the Stampeders have won seven straight. Edmonton last won in 2011, and they used a trick play to help them get the W. Jason Armstead stands at his 45 to wait for the kick from Burke Dales. And there it is, Armstead. Back pedals to his 40, spins, and he throws it on the far side, and that is completed pass. Oh, a little trickery for the Eskimos, and it's going to be a big gain down the far side. A Darius Bowman taken down at the 35, razzle-dazzle for the Eskimos. A 43-yard gain, Armstead throws across the field to a Darius Bowman. I saw him running off, and I was waiting for the flags to fly for too many men. Well, okay, (laughs) tell me about the the gadget play on the special Ah. teams there. Here we are. Oh we're, we're watching you. Hang on here. You're watching you run off the sidelines. We're going, the knucklehead is going to cause another penalty. And yet you stop. You were supposed to be out there. Just talk about that play. Oh, man, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when Coach Campbell came to me earlier this week with this play, I was, I listened to him. I took took the took the instruction he gave me. But in the back of my head, I'm like, this is this is not going to work. Nobody's going <laughs> to fall for that. But uh, I was wrong, man. So uh, my hat's off to Coach Campbell. I just... Try to make a play out of it. Darius Bowman talking to Morley and Dave after the Eskimos' 35-7 win back in September of 2011. And maybe that play rings a bell. Jason Armstead was the Eskimos' returner, caught the punt, threw a lateral across the field to Darius Bowman, who had faked subbing out of the game, subbing out for that play, stayed on the field, hung around on the far side and took the ball for a big gain, setting up, uh, it set up a field goal, not a touchdown, but the Eskimos did roll to a 35-7 win in that game. I was talking to Dave Campbell about that play earlier this week and he said that the way a Bowman fake going off to the field and, and stayed on, that actually now would be illegal. That, that would have been a flag uh, if they tried something like that this year. But that was the Eskimos' last victory and it does look like now that they have not actually said he's going to start but he continues to run the first team in off- offense in practice it does look like Bo Levi Mitchell will be the Stampeders quarterback on Monday yeah but I played for eight years you know and uh, I've done a couple of decent things in this league so um, you know in my opinion I know how to play this game and I know uh, you know who these teams are and these defensive coordinators are and, and understand the game um, you know there's just different dynamic to me when I'm in there um, you know just trying to lead the team and be that guy for him so again these next few days just all they have to do is, is just proving to uh, the big guys upstairs that um, that everything looks good enough
All right. Uh, well, I, I think he's going to start if they brought him off the uh, off the sixth game. Nick Arbuckle has been uh, the quarterback for the Stampeders for the last few weeks because of Bo Levi's injury. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.09. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chat. I'm always happy to hear from you. You can text 6.30, Our phone number, 780-496-0063. You can email inside sports at 6.30Ched.com, and you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I can also tell you today, the NHL announcing it will not exercise its option to reopen the collective bargaining agreement early. The league had the right to reopen the CBA until Sunday, but it's uh, telling the NHLPA today that they will not do that. So the Players Association now has until September 15th to decide whether or not it wants to opt out of the final two years of the deal. Of course, that was signed... uh, uh, back in 2013, scheduled to run through the 2021-2022 season. This 10-year deal signed after the last lockout, including this opt-out clause for both the owners and the players. Now, if the players do decide to opt out, we could be facing another work stoppage next fall. So this is another storyline to keep an eye on here as we move into NHL training camps. The players have until this, uh, September 15th to make their decision. Oilers rookie camp will start on Thursday, September 5th. They will play a rookie game in Red Deer against the Flames rookies next Saturday, September 7th. On Tuesday, September 10th, the Oilers rookies at the Flames rookies in Calgary will have that game for you on 6.30, Chet, and then main camp for the Oilers will start on the 13th. So uh, a lot going on as uh, as we get into the fall here. But to tee up the Labor Day Classic and to tell you about some changes on the offensive line, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the play-by-play voice for the green and gold here on Ched, Morley Scott. Morley, how are you doing? I'm great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to see you. I'm very excited for this weekend in the Canadian Football League and specifically the Labor Day matchup. And I'm specifically excited for you to get the chance to do something you've only done once before in your life. Not do play-by-play, but call an Eskimos win on Labor Day. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. 2011, my second season doing games. They uh, won. That was the year the um, Eskimos marketing department put the billboard up right at McMahon Stadium about beating them and then waited and waited nervously while the Eskimos did indeed beat them. It was like 35-7. to 7. It was a rout, that game. And the, well, the Stampeders scored first, and then the Eskimos scored 35 straight points, as I recall. And was that the game where Burris got upset and did the fist pump and people accused him of gesturing towards the fans because they were booing i'm not sure if it was that that game or a playoff game no it was a labor day game so it was a labor day it would have been that game then i think yeah okay uh i think the next year is when bo levi mitchell uh no he started in 12 or well maybe 12 or 13 yeah but burris has said he was not he was was not not he was just not at the booing fans yes that is correct yeah Yeah, i I think that was the game the eskimos uh pulled away from the stampeders in that one for sure but since then it's been uh well last year's game came down to the last play right Mm -hmm. and very last both games in the labor day series came down to the very last play last year because remember Stan Peters had the big comeback in the rematch, and the ball was in the end zone and in the receiver's hands. I think it was Breskison, and he yep. couldn't hang on to it at the end, and otherwise they would have won. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been tough sledding against Calgary for the Eskimos for whatever reason. Uh, I guess the the bright the good news is that a lot of these Eskimos don't know that right. because I mean they 
just don't know that. They, they, they're all new. They're, they're not involved in it. They're not in, entrenched in this rivalry because this, they've only lived at one game, which was a loss, ironically, at the, uh, during the August long weekend. So uh, maybe it's a different feel to it. I don't know. All right. Well, for the, the Eskimos get a big old lineman back. Yes, a uh, uh, human, a massive human being in Matt O'Donnell, six <laughs> eleven, three hundred and fifty pounds. Will be back. He's going to be playing left tackle. It looks like uh, in uh, in place of you know the Eskimos now have three starting tackles on the injured list. Um, so Colin Kelly's now out. Uh, Tommy Draheim is out as well. So uh, they'll have Lofton at the other end, Eric Lofton at the other end on the on the def- offensive line as the as the right tackle. But Matt O'Donnell comes back after missing six games. Got his leg rolled up on uh, in uh, in that game six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I guess it was. And uh, he's back. Says he's healthy and ready to go. So he's excited. Uh, first time he's ever missed any time in his CFL career. Now, who is Eric Lofton? Good question. He's a guy. He's uh, he played a couple. A of, he, he's been in. He, he was in. This may surprise you, but he was in Ottawa for a couple of years. Okay. Before the Eskimos <laughs> uh, brought him here, uh, he's played. I think four games in the CFL over two years with the Red Blacks. So this will be his first test with the Eskimos uh, in the lineup. He's been. He's been at camp, I believe, and then on the practice roster for a bit. But now he's on the active roster. Canadian or American? He's American. He's American. Okay. So O'Donnell comes in. Well, so is Saxlid going to play? Uh, he'll be the sixth man. Okay. Uh, and O'Donnell coming in, puts a, that'll flip the ratio, right? So that allows them, they're doing that so that they can make the move at uh, the uh, corner spot on the wide spot, on the wide side of the field because Arjun Colhoun is injured and Josh Johnson's going to go over and play that spot. So they're turning that Canadian spot into an American spot, so they have to turn an American spot into a Canadian spot. Josh Johnson, to me, has been... A, a real revelation. And I know he's not a new player in the CFL, but I, I feel like I don't remember hearing as, as much about him yep. with his, was was it Winnipeg he was on? He was uh, BC, Ottawa, and Hamilton. Okay, so he was a, he was around a little bit. Yep. And I feel like I never saw him perform to the level I, that he has this I, year with I, the Eskimos. I don't remember him either. I don't yeah. remember him either. He certainly wasn't this good. In fact, he came to training camp. Uh, we kind of, I remember doing an interview with him and uh, at training camp, he was wearing number 78, that's not a good sign when you're a defensive back you get a weird training number. camp because, you know, numbers are handed out kind of in pecking order, and that's not a defensive back's number. And he said the first goal was to get a better number, and he ended up getting it. He's wearing 26 now. But how, how valuable has he been? He's started at uh, short side corner. Mm-hmm. He started at wide side corner. He started at short side halfback. He started at wide side halfback, and he started at the Sam spot as well. Uh, he's a guy he can play anywhere. He's a really smart football guy too. TSN mic'd him up a few games ago, and he was playing beside Money Hunter, and it was just a revelation to rewatch that game and hear him talking to Money Hunter all the time, telling him this is coming, this is coming. Watch for this, watch for that. Uh, he seems to be a real good football guy. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess the only thing you can complain about is to, to hang on to the ball on a couple of near picks because well, he's knocked a few down. He'd and he be makes a receiver a if he could hang on to the yeah, ball. Yeah, I guess right? so. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's been really he does, good. He does. Uh, he's he, if not leads is amongst the leaders in knockdowns in the Canadian Football League. He gets his hands on a lot of balls for sure. All right, Morley Scott joining us on Inside Sports. We have the Eskimos and the Stampeders on Monday. The coverage is going to start at one o'clock. The games at two thirty. No, the Stampeders have not named a starting quarterback. I mean, this is kind of weird because usually when we're talking on Friday about a game, it's usually on Saturday. Well, this one's still not until Monday, so they don't have to put out the depth chart until Sunday, right? Yep. So you'd have to think. If I'll name Bo him. Levi's, yeah, I mean. I'll name him. It's Bo Levi Mitchell. I think they're just. I mean, he's been running the first-team offense now for two days. Yesterday and today, he ran the first-team offense. He came out. They had a, an extra day, like the Eskimos. They call it day A or day zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, he threw on the side that day. And he threw by himself. 
And the next day, they took him off the six-game injury list. So that was the test day. He was fine. He passed that test. He ran the offense for two days in a row. And as he said, he's not worried about coming back because he said yesterday, I've been in this league for eight years. I've done a thing or two. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> right. He understands. A very bold Levi under- mitchell thing to say. Saw, he has it? no shortage of confidence. Which Absolutely granted, right. And you know of- what? He, he backs it up. He's a good football player, too. Yes, he actually does. He, he does back it up. And I, people always... It's still brought up to me the interview from three years ago, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's the MOP? Uh, he didn't even, him and Riley were having huge me. seasons. He didn't even let me finish the question. Just said me, which I guess, why would you pick the other guy? Very <laughs> true. When you look Very at true. it, but, but it's because a lot of athletes would deflect in that situation. And Mike probably would have in that situation, but, but not Bo. Well, Bo, you know, Bo said simply, my numbers are good and I've won more games. So, right. And I think he'd beaten Riley head to head a couple of times too. So, so is this? What, this is this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks for playoff positioning. BC is going to finish last, and the West should get a crossover. It's not for sure, but I mean, if one team does yeah. really poorly, then yeah. they might they Somebody might drop to fall apart badly. So, for the Eskimo, like, is is, for, is first place realistic, or is it just trying to get second and get a home game? Uh, well, getting a home game, I think, is is an important step for this franchise with this group of people running things, right? right? Because Jason Moss hasn't had that yet as a head coach. He's he's won playoff games, he's been in the playoffs, but they haven't had a home game yet. And you know what? It I think it all depends on how it shakes out. I mean, if Saskatchewan beats Winnipeg twice, and the Eskimos beat Calgary twice, then all of a sudden it's the Eskimos and Saskatchewan who could be fighting for first place. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and they play each other the final two games of the regular season. Wouldn't right. that be a great week, a uh, couple of weeks? So, yeah, or or they could both split, and who knows what's going on there. Like the Eskimos then would still be, you know, two points uh, or, or two wins behind Winnipeg and, right. and tied with Saskatchewan in the standings with the Riders having a game in hand. So, yeah, it, it this week is going to show us, I think, uh, it won't get us to the end, but it'll show us the roadmap. You you might after after the Labor Day series games, both games, you might know at least who you're chasing and where you're you know where you're settling. Okay, we got a we don't have much of a chance for first now, but maybe we got a great chance for second, or we're still in the race for first. So let's be going for that. All right, Morley, great trip to Calgary. Look forward to listening to you on Monday, buddy. All right, Reed, we'll talk to you then. Thank you. All right, that's Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos here on six thirty. Chad, so Bo Levi Mitchell. Looks like he, he's going to be the starting quarterback. Let me throw this out there for the off-topic to, topic tonight on Inside Sports. You can text 630-630, the phone number is 780-496-0063. Your least favorite Calgary Stampeder of all time and why? I imagine Bo Levi Mitchell is going to get some votes. Now, I'm going to make a special exception to the off-topic topic for one listener. Murr the Stamps guy. We got, we got a guy named Murr. I, I actually think Murr and I are feuding because I think I owe him some chicken and I might not pay up. <laughs> but, but because Murr the Stamps guy is a loyal listener to the show and he likes the Stamps, I'll allow him to text in his least favorite Eskimo of all time and why. Everybody else you can send in your least favorite Stampeder of all time and why. Murr's pretty riled up. You know how excited Murr is for this game, Murr the Stamps guy? He's been wearing red body paint since Tuesday morning. He got painted up a week in advance. He's been walking around shirtless, just red body paint. That's how- 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How excited Murr is for the game. 621 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Blue Jays leaving the Astros 1-0 in the bottom of the fourth. This texture writing in, he says, Hey, Reed, maybe a shout-out to the Golden Bears tonight. Kickoff Labor Day weekend versus the Dinos. Absolutely. 7 o'clock at Foot Field. Golden Bears against the Dinos. We'll update you on that game once it gets started. Also want to let you know tomorrow at 7 at Clark, Wildcats take on the Colts. And Sunday at uh, 1 o'clock at Clark, it's the Huskies against the Hilltops. That's a good showdown in the, showdown in the uh, Prairie Junior Football Conference. FC Edmonton, their next match in Halifax on Monday. Uh, I can also tell you that Edmonton's Joel Sexsmith, a defenseman in the Western Hockey League, has been traded to Red Deer from Vancouver. Joel Sexsmith, uh, the son of uh, John Sexsmith, our buddy over at Global Television. Some notes there. Well, uh, this is fun. I uh, asked people their least favorite Calgary Stampeder on the text line. (laughs) Uh, This is interesting. Big Ross says, Dave Dickinson, he's just a tool. I hate the look of this guy and his crappy, arrogant attitude. Big Ross, not pulling any punches. (laughs) He is. uh, And uh, obviously Dickinson now the coach of the stand. So Big Ross, that's a good one because you can hate him doubly. You can hate him as a player and uh, now you can hate him as a coach. You're getting your, your money's worth of hate. Uh, John says, uh, Reed, even though I respect him as a talented football player, John Cornish is my least favorite Stampeder of all time. Well, you know, that's fair. And here's the thing. Nobody's going to text in Stampeder players who weren't any good. If, if your rival hates you, you were probably a darn good player. And probably most of these guys would be flattered to know that uh, Eskimos fans hate them. Trevor, the slow walking Walter. I don't know if I've ever heard from you before, Trevor. Thanks for writing in. He says, read my uh, least favorite. (laughs) Okay. He says, hey, read my least favorite Stampeder of all time is Bo Levi Jeans because he's the most overrated. Obvious one to call him Bo Levi Jeans, though I don't know if I've ever heard it before. Trevor uh, from Slow Walk and Walter, I appreciate that. Another texter says, uh, echo on John Cornish, as arrogant as they come. Richard says, my least favorite Stampeder. I could possibly narrow it down to a top 10 list. (laughs) Would you settle for that? Richard, I would settle for your top 10 list. I'd be curious to see it. (laughs) Okay, Murr the Stamps guy. I, I said he can text in his most hated Eskimo of all time. 
Uh, I, I said that Murray's been walking around in red body paint shirtless all week. He goes, that's a nasty thought, all blubbery and red like a fat crab stuck in the sand. That's what I love about Murray. He's got a pretty good sense of humor. But he does say, the guy I hated the most for the Eskimos was Hugh Campbell, pompous, arrogant, and I always wanted to punch him. That is from Murr the Stamps guy. Uh, Mike says Alan Pitts, uh, another great player for sure. Uh, no shortage of Stampeder players who are not popular in Eskimo land, which does not surprise me. And hey, you know what? Murray the Stamps fan, I, why would he like Hugh Campbell? Hugh Campbell's teams were always amongst the best in the league and, and would often beat up on the Stampeders pretty badly. So that is all understandable. A uh, little fun on the off-topic topic. Fueling the rivalry a little bit. Why not? Love this time of year. And this is another one for the Eskimos. Can, can they get over the hump? They are ahead of the Stampeders in the standings. They do have the advantage that they've played an extra game. They're 6-4. and four. The Stampeders are 5-4. and four. Can they finally end the drought? on Labor Day this year. Uh, we're gonna, we got a lot of fun football talk coming up. Eddie Steele's going to check in after the 6.30 news. Eddie Steele has played in every Labor Day series in the CFL. He's played for Hamilton in the, in the series against Toronto. He's played for Edmonton in the series against Calgary. He's played for Saskatchewan in the series against Winnipeg. And then uh, batting down the hatches from 7 to 8, both Jed Roberts and Randy Spencer will be in studio. Labor Day weekend. Hope you have a great one coming up. 6.34, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, I will have a live edition of Inside Sports on the holiday Monday after the conclusion of our broadcast for the Eskimos and the Stampeders, which starts at 1 o'clock with the countdown to kick off the games at 2.30. Uh, the boys will probably go with the points after show to 6.30, 6.45, 7, somewhere in there, wrap it all up. Uh, and then I will be on after that until 8 o'clock. And uh, my guests will include Oilers defenseman Matt Benning and Boston Bruins forward Jake DeBrusque. So you can look forward to that on Monday. That's all I want you to look forward to this long weekend. Nothing else. Just DeBrusque and Benning. All right. <laughs> you can text 630, 630. Uh, boy, I, I, I knew that the, people would jump on this topic. I'm even getting more uh, response than I expected. Your, your least favorite Calgary Stampeder, uh, Joffrey Reynolds, Dave Sapungis, Nick Lewis, Alondra Johnson all being met. You know what? I'm sur- actually surprised it took Nick Lewis that long to come up. I, I thought he might be uh, closer to the top of the list. Hey, a guy who uh, played in a lot of big games, a lot of Labor Days in his uh, CFL career and in his U Sports career as well. I might start there since the, there's a U Sports game tonight at Foot Field is uh, former Edmonton Eskimo Eddie Steele. Eddie, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's great to catch up with you. I, I, and I, I am going to jump way back in your career to start. Like I mentioned, uh, U Sports football tonight. Golden Bears Dinos at Foot Field in, in about half an hour. Were you on the Manitoba team that won the Vanier Cup in 2007? I certainly was. I was uh, very fortunate. I was a 19-year-old pup in my CFL career back then. And, uh, yeah, won the Vanier Cup uh, undefeated season. So that was pretty special for the Bisons. Uh, you know, and uh, look, Canada West, it is... A, 
a little bit the history of, of Saskatchewan and Calgary? I mean, I know other schools have, have had good years. So what do you remember about, you know, getting over the hump against some other pretty good programs in 07? Yeah, well, uh, to be honest, uh, in 07, as I mentioned, we were undefeated. So uh, I think our closest game that year would have been against SFU uh, when they were playing CIS ball. And I think it was a 23 nothing win for us. Uh, but I didn't have that type of success my whole university career, especially against Calgary. Um, we didn't play in Calgary that year. They came to us uh, at U of M. But uh, I hadn't won a game in Calgary going back to uh, my university days and then continuing through my pro career up until two years ago when I was playing with Saskatchewan. So it had been like 10-plus years since I've actually won a game in Calgary. So tough place to play, man. I got to ask you something about the 07 Vanier Cup, and I have referenced this injury on this show. I, I have had this young man, well, he's a little older now, but I've, I've had this young man on the show talking about the injury. It is one of the most notorious pieces of video on the Internet. I think you know where I'm going with this. Matt oh, Henry, yeah. Matt Henry for Manitoba, your teammate, suffered one of the most horrific-looking injuries you will ever see in that Vanier Cup. His leg broke just below his hip, and it actually whipped around to such an extent that he basically kicked himself in the side of the head. At, at full speed, you can't see it. At slow motion, it is nauseating. What's your memory of that moment, and when did you actually see the injury and realize how bad it was? Oh, well, yeah, that's, I mean, you said it right. His, he broke his femur, which is the biggest bone in your body. And uh, we didn't see it initially at first glance of the play, but then, in the Rogers Center, um, that's where we played the game in Toronto when there was a Rogers Center, uh, football-wise. Uh, he got hit, and I remember everybody saying, ooh, when they initially saw the hit. But then they saw in slow-mo how his leg snapped, and then they went, ooh. So it was like kind of a double take, and it was uh, – I've never seen anything like it. And his leg literally from a, just about a few inches below his hip snapped up and kicked him in the head it was uh pretty unbelievable to be honest and it's it's a shame because matt henry he um he was uh we called him one of the chosen ones you know he was on pace to be you know a sure fire cfl player uh he was breaking records at u of m he was one of the highest uh ranked recruits coming out of high school i guess he played a year of junior ball in ontario but he he was uh, a highly regarded prospect, and it's very unfortunate to see uh, such a great talent's career end the way it did. Um, but that's the nature of the beast with football. You know, you never know when it's going to happen. And I remember during that game, uh, a lot of uh, veterans, they, were, they got pretty emotional and essentially said, you know, we're winning this for Matt. And they went up and down the sideline. Guys were in tears, and they said, we're doing this for Matt because, I mean, he was our workhorse. Uh, we both came into the U of M the same year in 2006. I redshirted that year, and he came in, and he was a starter, you know? And it's like, wow, this guy's coming in and starting on a pretty high-caliber team. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people, they know how our team was back then. The rules were a little different, so we had a lot of older players because you could play your full five years of eligibility in junior football and then you could still have full five years of eligibility in CIS. So when we won the Vanier, our average age of the team was 
uh, I think 27, and it was older wow. than the Bombers. Yeah, oh, it was old, and the Bombers played. So we played on the the Saturday or the Friday, and the Bombers played against the Riders in the Grey Cup on the Sunday. And our average age of the college team was older than the Bombers team that was playing in the Grey Cup. So a lot of people kind of have that knock against us, but uh, the reality is that was the rules back then. We were the only team who had older players. I mean, we played St. Mary's, and they had their handful of older players as well so that's just kind of how it went so yeah that's why i uh, initially started off by saying i was a puppy at 19 because i i literally was a puppy on that team just when an injury happens and you mentioned guys really rallied around matt and said we got to win this for him but has it ever gone has it ever gone the other way has it ever been tough to play or or there's a sag when you have a teammate and not all injuries are the same right a lot of times a guy will limp off and it might turn out to be bad but it doesn't look bad at the time but sometimes somebody has to go off in a cart on an ambulance when when you you know when you know it's bad or you see it's bad have have you ever had that sag or has it ever been hard to get back into the game yeah you know what uh that's interesting that you say that because i have experienced that not just for myself but seeing other guys out on the field uh, when someone's really down for a long time, for example, for a, a head injury or a neck injury, um, it kind of becomes quite somber out there on the field. And it does take a, a solid few plays to kind of get back into the groove of a game because, you know, it's on your mind. You, it's not something you can just forget about because ultimately you, your health and who we are as men playing this game is so much more important than the actual game itself. And, I think everybody who straps up the pads and the helmet realizes that that the game is really so um, minuscule uh, in terms of what it really means as opposed to maintaining your health and your well-being moving forward. Eddie Steele joining us on Inside Sports, former Edmonton Eskimo, also played for Hamilton and Saskatchewan. So let's dive in there a little bit. Labor Day weekend, Eddie, I mean, uh, we wanted to have you on. You played uh, with Hamilton in the Labor Day series against Toronto. You played for Edmonton in the Labor Day series against Calgary. And you played for Saskatchewan in the Labor Day series against Winnipeg. So you, you got to play in uh, in all three. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to ask you if which one was the most intense because they're all pretty good rivalries. But, you know, is, is there... Uh, or, or, maybe, or maybe it is fair. I mean, is is one of those rivalries more intense than the other? How how do the, the three of them sort of stack up against each other? Yeah, no, they're all uh, pretty highly intense in their own way. Um, me being a kid from Winnipeg, um, you know, I grew up on the, the bomber side of the Labor Day Classic, and then having played for the Riders the past two years and being on that side, um, you know, I probably have, would have to lean uh, towards the Bombers-Riders game uh, just because it is uh, – <laughs> words can't even explain how uh, ruthless the fans turn. And just, you know, being the local kid, I really I really got it pretty hard from the Bomber fans when we played them, whenever we played them, Labor Day aside. But, uh, you know, the Edmonton-Calgary Labor Day, you know, I played four of those and – it's uh, it's crazy, man, because it's interprovincial, right? Much like the the Hamilton Toronto, but uh, just on an even bigger scale. Because football, I don't want to say it's more people take it more seriously or feel that there's a higher importance, but you know, there's that whole that Northern Alberta against Southern Alberta, and 
Uh, now having moved my family here into Edmonton full-time, I truly get the grasp of how much uh, the two cities don't like each other that are just two and a half hours apart. Uh, so we had some intense battles. Uh, needless to say, it wasn't very successful. Um, when I played with Edmonton going down to Calgary on Labor Day, the rematch, it was a different story. But it's a, like I said earlier, it's a tough place to go in and to win in Calgary. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. And when they get going, they get going. And you get that stupid horse that's galloping <laughs> up and down right behind your bench when they're scoring points. And you think, ah, here we go again. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's pretty pretty intense. But if I had to choose one, it would probably be the Saskatchewan and Manitoba um, just because I don't know for whatever reason. Uh, it's the fans, the whole atmosphere. It's kicked up uh, like ten more notches. I, I can't explain it. It's pretty crazy. Well, for you as an athlete, and in football, you have a whole week to prepare, and you always know the. Mag- I mean, I know you want to win every game, but I think you know the magnitude and the hype is is different from a media and fan standpoint, depending on the opponent. How did you, as an athlete, manage? your emotions because I, I know from from doing interviews over the years eddie i have had athletes tell me i was almost too excited to play or i used 90 percent of my energy in the first 20 percent of the game like was that ever something you had to had to conquer how did you deal with that yeah that's that's crazy that you say that because that, it's a real thing especially um i found with the battle of alberta you go to Calgary and uh, your juices are flowing. And by the end of the first quarter, you know, you're struggling to catch your breath because you're just playing and you're so hyped up and you're so amped up. And you can be a little bit too overhyped. It's, it's not a, that's a real thing. It's not a joke. So you do have to manage. You have to be kind of in the moment and realize that you're not winning the game in the first quarter. You have four quarters of football to play, and you need to be on your P's and Q's for every quarter. Um, and I'm not going to say this as an excuse either, but you know, Calgary, a little bit higher altitude. I noticed that really especially uh, traveling from way out east when I was playing with Hamilton to Calgary, it takes you uh, about a quarter to really get used to it and get acclimated and catch your breath because the air is a little bit thinner. So it's something that you do have to kind of be aware of. Now, that's not a, an excuse. It's just the reality of, uh, you know, the location. But you do have to manage your emotions, manage uh, your energy, because, as I mentioned, the game's not won in the first quarter, and guys come out and they're so juiced and jacked up and just ready to, to play and to lay it all on the line. Um, but it's, it's, it is easy to kind of get caught up in the moment and, you know, get overhyped, especially when they're doing the announcements or, or if you're warming up and, you know, there's some chitter-chatter happening between guys on the field as you're warming up because that's the reality. That's how it goes. So, yeah, you got to really got to be aware of your surroundings. Eddie, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the horse, uh, Quick Six or whatever they call the Calgary horse, because I, I put out for fun on our, our uh, text line tonight. People can write into 630-630 the, the Stampeder they've hated the most, either past or present. <laughs> and a couple people actually texted in it was the horse. And like yeah. most, probably most current Eskimos or opponents of the Stampeders would say, oh, we block it out. We don't even notice the horse. But as a, as a former guy, you're saying, no, you notice the stupid horse. Oh, you notice the horse. And why you notice the horse, because they're scoring touchdowns on you. And that's why the horse is running. So you notice it. <laughs> uh, a side note, too, I don't know. I can't explain it, but 
uh, whenever I was playing there uh, the past few years, there would always be this bunny rabbit that would run across the field. Oh, that's right. <laughs> a big jackrabbit. And it happened like four or five times. It wasn't just a one or two type thing. It happened often, and there was a jackrabbit that would run from one end zone to the next. So I don't know what's going on with that, if it's just something that snuck into the stadium, but that's, that's a, a common thing too. Eddie Steele joining us on Inside Sports, uh, former Eskimo Tiger Cat and uh, Rough Rider with some memories of, uh, well, I mean, you still played last year, so you're not, you're not long retired. You, you won the, the Grey Cup with the Eskimos in 2015, was, and you know, you're listed as a defensive lineman, but w- was that the year you also played O-line? Yeah, started two games. What, what, what was the situation? There were that many injuries, and Jones said he was going to move you over? Uh, you know what? Um, I don't like to, because I love my teammates. I loved all the guys I played with, but uh, there wasn't too many injuries. It was kind of a case where Jones came to me, and he said, you know, we just kind of need a little more toughness on the O-line. We need a dog, and he realized, you know, uh, that's kind of how I approached the game. I was a pretty physical guy, and, you know, I, I'd like to say I am fairly tough uh, on the football field at least. And, uh, yeah, so he approached me. So speaking of Labor Day, how about this? I get thrown into the fire. So I started my first game at right guard was the Labor Day Classic in Calgary, going against Micah Johnson, Junior Turner, you know, some stud D tackles. Uh, and then I started the, the rematch in Calgary, or sorry, in Edmonton. So we lost the Labor Day Classic, had a fairly successful game. I, you know, wasn't getting beat or anything. But then we came out in the rematch and we put it on Calgary pretty bad at home and we were running the ball all over them. And I remember putting some guys in the dirt. So that was a pretty cool feeling, uh, being a part of such a successful win. So I was one and one as a starter on the O-line. I like to say to people, I don't know how often in modern era football you see one guy or you see a guy start one week uh, at defensive tackle the next two weeks you see him start at right guard and then the next week after that you see him start at D-tackle you know you don't see that happen too often so I'm uh, I'm pretty proud of that that is pretty cool and there was so much talk last summer when Chris Jones moved Deron Carter from from offense to defense and you were like whatever he I he changed my side of the ball three years ago what's the big deal <laughs> and it's funny because Deron Carter's first game at DB he gets a pick six That's against right. Calgary. That's right. So, That's a good point. Yeah, you know, uh, he, Chris Jones, he's, uh, I don't always agree with his philosophies and his ideas, but uh, the man understands the game of football and he understands how to put people in uh, winning situations personally and for the team. So can't fault him for that. I mean, what was he What was he like to play for? And then obviously he went to, to the Riders and you would have had him for a little bit of his, his stint there. He, he, he did go to... Uh, to Cleveland to to join their staff, and he kind of has yep. been a bit of a, uh, a a bit of a hired gun, jumping around a lot, even when he was in in the CFL. And he had that reputation, fair or not, that he didn't kind of value what the offense did as as much as the the defense. Is is there anything you can, you know, are those no, myths the, or yeah. is that... Well, you're right. I mean, he has been known to be a defensive guru. Guru. He's been taught by Don Matthews, who is a defensive guru in this league. Um, and I'll be honest, I've had Coach Jones. I played nine years of pro football in the CFL. I've had him for four of my nine years. So the most long-standing coach that I've had in my career. Um, I think he's one of the best coaches I've ever played for. 
again, do I agree with everything uh, in terms of his philosophy and how he approaches things? No, I don't. Um, but the reality is he's a winner. He's won uh, essentially everywhere he's been. If you look at what he did to the Riders, taking a four-win team to a 10-win team to a 12-win team. Um, you know, we were a play shy in 2017 of making it to the Grey Cup when James Wilder uh, for Toronto hit us on that wheel route up the sidelines on a third and five. If they don't get that third and five on us, we're in the Grey Cup. So he knows how to win. He's been in the CFL for 16, 17 years, and he's been to uh, seven or eight Grey Cups. So the math right there, he's there almost every other year. Uh, so he knows and he's proven that he can win in the league. Um, you know, again, don't always agree with uh, stuff he says or his philosophy, but uh, I can't shy away from saying he's one of the best coaches that I've ever had. And there's a reason that when things went south with me, uh, with my tenure with the Eskimos, that I went right over to the Riders because he was the first person that called me up, first person to give me an opportunity. And um, as per his words, he considers me like family. Um, and not every coach, I feel that he has a lot of trust in me as well because not every coach would take their starting defensive tackle and start them on the offensive line and, you know, arguably two of the biggest games outside of the playoffs during a football regular season. So, Eddie, before I let you go, and we're going to have to talk again. This has been an awesome conversation. Thanks for sharing uh, so many memories. But let's uh, jump to the present. You mentioned you, you've settled in Edmonton after retiring from the CFL. What are you up to these days? Yeah, I work with a chemical maintenance company. It's called Share Canada. It's a company based out of Winnipeg. My father has been involved with the company uh, essentially my whole life, 31 years, and uh, really grew up around the products, familiar with the products. So I'm doing some sales with them. Um, yes, yeah, moved back here in April from Regina when I officially announced my retirement. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been really interesting, really enjoying life post-football. I get asked quite often, do you miss the game of football? And uh, do you miss it at all? And I say, you know what, I really don't miss the game itself. I've eaten double teams for a living, and I don't mind not taking 700 pounds of offensive linemen on every play. Um, I get more time with my family, and uh, life is really good. Being able to have my first summer off football for um, the past 17 years, essentially, uh, it's been awesome. I got a little two-and-a-half-year-old son, an amazing wife at home who's actually pregnant with our daughter as we speak. We just found out last Wednesday, so it's exciting news. So, you know, just really embracing life and enjoying life and kind of the freedom, still follow the game, um, pretty closely just because i have a lot of guys a lot of friends that play still but the game of football i don't miss whatsoever i miss the locker room i miss the camaraderie i i do it'd be a lie if i was saying i didn't but uh you know i'm really happy with where i'm at and i'm really at peace with my decision to retire um so it's it's a good feeling uh, could i still play football absolutely you know i i had to turn down some teams um fairly recently actually uh, so, you know, it's nice to know that the desire for me uh, is still there, but it's also very nice to be able to end it on your own terms because so few guys actually get that opportunity, and uh, I'm happy to be one of the lucky ones that can do that. Eddie, great to catch up with you. Excellent interview where, uh, if you don't mind, we're, we're definitely going to bug you again before the end of the season. This was an awesome chat. Thanks for coming on Inside Sports. Thank you. I really appreciate the time.
That is Eddie Steele checking in tonight. Former Tiger Cat, Eskimo, and Saskatchewan Rough Rider helped the Eskimos win the Grey Cup in 2015. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chad. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.